You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. So let's open our Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And with the time remaining, we're going to have an abbreviated and yet we pray important time in God's Word together as we seek His will for our for our lives. So there's a lot of prayer that just happened. I just want my turn because I need, I need the Lord, man. I, do you need the Lord? I, I need the Lord so much. This week, just another week of understanding that, wow, inadequate, unable, insufficient, just, you, you just don't have it, do you? You just don't have it in yourself. Amen, church? That's why the Holy Spirit is everything, and that's why we need Him. And man, He's brought me to a place, even right in this moment, I'm listening to Tad, and I'm just like, keep preaching, keep preaching so I don't have to, you know, one of those? And yet, it's so good. Persist in this. Thank you, Ted. Thank you so much. I really, really mean that. And the family with Ray and Natalie in Ottawa and Brampton, I'm just like, man, like this started with a couple of people, and look what he's doing, you know? Like, it's worth it. No wonder it's so hard, huh? No wonder it's so hard. So I, I need to pray. So I'm, I'm going I'm to pray. Father, uh, truly humbled by you and dependent upon you and wanting of you, just in this time we have, would you maximize it? Would you multiply it truly to persist in the teaching of God's word? Because it's right. It's where we find life. It's where we hear your voice. It's where we know your strength. It's where we find the path. It's where we see the lamp to our feet. It's where we see the compass for the direction of our lives. It's, it's where the Holy Spirit moves in and, and works so powerfully to allow us to know the role and the, the guidance of your sanctification within us. So, so, Lord, do what only you can do, I pray. And you will take this weak vessel, but I pray a vessel nonetheless for this time right now, this beautiful gathering of your body, your bride. Praise you, God the privilege and the blessing that it is, because it is that. And I pray you will take these verses right now from Ephesians 5, and you will make them beautiful in the eyes and the minds of your people right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to try to look at verses 15 to 21 of the letter to the church in Ephesus here this weekend. And just to say it right off the bat for the sake of time as well. So here's our thesis today. Here's the big idea. Here's the propositional statement. Here's the point of what we're trying to do. It's really this. As we continue in our series on the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. As a true believer of Jesus Christ, okay? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, I have all of the Holy Spirit. But here's the question. Does the Holy Spirit have all of me? I have all of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a well-known phrase. At least it should be, and it has been in my world for many years, but it's a very, very important phrase with a very, very substantial question. I have all the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit have all of me? In fact, it's so important. Let's get on the screen so we can look at it together. Our eyes can be set upon it. This helps us. Here it is. As a true believer in Jesus Christ. Again, why do I say that? Well, if you're not a true believer in Jesus Christ, this is not happening. This is, this is not possible. It takes someone regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God through the act of conversion where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within them permanently. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, someone then who has been baptized by the Holy Spirit of God, this is what we know to be true. I have all the Holy Spirit, but the question comes now. Does the Holy Spirit have all of me through my surrendered life? 
Now, this was Paul's concern as he addressed the believers in the church in Ephesus and by the Holy Spirit who wrote the book that we hold in our hands right now, this is also the Holy Spirit's concern for all believers over the course of time. And why is it the Holy Spirit's concern in your life and mine for those of us who are saved in the Lord Jesus Christ? Here's why. Because there is no true life apart from the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there is no true ministry and there is no true fruit apart from the Holy Spirit of God. So as we look at Ephesians 5, and particularly verse 18, and by the way, Chuck Swindoll, the great pastor author, said this of verse 18. He referred to verse 18 as the most important verse in the New Testament. Wow. Now, if you're paying attention, last week we were looking at Galatians 5.16, and I quoted an author that says that was the most important verse on Christian living in the Bible. And you're like, what's up with that? Last week, the most important verse on Christian living, Galatians 5.16, if I walk by the Spirit, I will not deny the, uh, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And now this week, Ephesians 5.18 and Swindoll saying it's the most important verse in the New Testament. What's up with this? I mean, why all the attention? Well, here's why. Because the Holy Spirit becomes the tipping point for every person truly following Jesus Christ. If we neglect him, no chance. But to be filled with him, that's where life truly begins to be lived. And so loved ones, this is why these verses garner so much attention. They are tipping points. Walk by the Spirit, you find life. Be filled with the Spirit here today. Again, we find the blessing, the joy, the reason that we live, and the strength to do it as well. The Holy Spirit cannot be overstated within our lives. Verse 18, Ephesians 5. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Here we go. But be filled with the Spirit. Now this verse probably deserves an underline in your Bible, at least according to Chuck Swindle. He's giving good advice there, all right? This verse, verse 18, is the center of our text, verses 15 to 21 this weekend. This verse is the foundation of our message. Why? Verse 18 is so critical because that one phrase determines so much. There's nothing we need more than to be filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Think about it. Because obedience to the command of verse 18 enables all other commands really in the Bible. The obedience to the command of verse 18, because all things are done by the Holy Spirit of God within our lives, therefore it is so important because every other than command is found from the overflow of obedience, again, to the command found in our main verse today, verse 18. Oh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and oh, how the church needs this to have any hope again in our day. Harvest Ottawa, who's here today, you stand any chance whatsoever as a church, seeing the fruit of what God wants to do, it is 100% by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God. The same is true for us, of course, since the beginning, Harvest Branton, whoever, any church ever in the history of the world. Apart from him, nothing will take place. He's the difference maker. He's the life giver. He is the fruit producer. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But here's what I know that some of us will be asking right now. Some of us say, what does it really mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Some of us carry misunderstandings as to what it means biblically to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But it's simply too important a doctrine to not understand. And so by God's grace and by God's Spirit, we seek His help now to get it right. God truly help us 
to get it right even now. When it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit, what must I know according to this passage here today? And again, if I'm at all in tune of what's coming down the pipe right now, I'm sitting up pretty straight. My eyes are pretty open. My ears are ready to hear And maybe my pen is ready to write because this becomes, again, the tipping point for the life of fruitfulness and effectiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit, the first thing I must know from this passage here today, number one, is this. I must know the context, which is urgency. I must know the context as it surrounds verse 18. Now, I want you to notice in verse 18, notice the first word, In my translation, should be yours too. It's the word and. And do not get drunk with wine. Now, why is that word and important? Because it clearly links the preceding verses. There's a flow of thought here. There's a building of momentum. And in verse 18 is linking emphatically and clearly verses 15 to 17 with the command of verse 18. So if we're going to understand the imperative, the command of verse 18, we must gather the context which comes before it to again allow us to see how much is coming with it. Verse 18 often can be presented out of context, and that would be a mistake. But the context, of course, is powerful. It is essential, and here is the context. Look at verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand, notice, what the will of the Lord is. So as Paul approaches what is arguably one of the most important commands in the entire New Testament, notice what he calls the Ephesians church to do. And I'm going to put these on the screen because I want you to see them as well. But it's really clear. It's just right in front of you. You can see it as easily as I could. Notice he calls for clarity. There's a call for clarity. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. The context of our context, verses 7 to 14, is an exhortation to walk in the light. Paul is saying, listen, the days are evil, the darkness is all around us, there's no time to stumble in the darkness. In fact, look at verse 11, it says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And that says so much right there of our society and our world and what it means to live by the flesh. Works of darkness, the command there in verse 11 is, but instead expose them. So Paul says, in the reality of the world we live, when he wrote this first century where we are now, and the century that we live in, the call is the same. It's a call for clarity. Secondly, there's a call for wisdom, notice. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. Now that makes sense to me. When we see clearly, we walk wisely. Oh, the blessing and the benefit of the wisdom of God. How many lives are crashing and burning due to the love of flesh and darkness. That will never work because it's anti-wisdom. It's anti the will of God. It is full of darkness. It is full of lostness. It is full of destruction. So he's like, there's a call for clarity as he approaches verse 18. There's a call for wisdom. Notice there's a call for urgency. He says now in verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. This was one of the key verses of our Christ Follower series in the fall. 
because it's heightening us to the reality. You got one life, don't waste it. You got one chance, man, don't miss it. We have one opportunity. Make the best use of the time, the time we have, because the days are evil. One life, it is short. When we see that, the urgency comes from our lives. Waste not. One life, spirit-filled. We're approaching verse 18. Call for clarity, call for wisdom, call for urgency. And then this, fourthly, a call for comprehension. Notice verse 17, the first word. Therefore, building off of the argument for clarity and wisdom and urgency, now he says, therefore, with urgency comes wisdom, with urgency comes the desire for comprehension of how to truly live. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Love that phrase, what the will of the Lord is. Notice there's an expectation that this can be found. There's an expectation this will be found. This is an expectation this will be known and understood. You know, sometimes we can treat the will of God like it's some mystical, out-of-reach idea. But take God at his word right here. Look at what God is saying. Do you see what's coming down for you right now? Do you see what God is doing? He's unpacking his will for us even now. And we're learning here, when we comprehend the will of God, it will be seen more with clarity and wisdom and urgency all tied together intimately to the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And with that last phrase in verse 17 being what the will of the Lord is, Paul now launches, I argue, into one of the clearest statements of God's will for our lives in Scripture. Now make sure you hear that and make sure you get that. Here comes the will of God 100% guaranteed. So as we open Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 21, there's there's a ring at our doorbell or a knock on our door and the Holy Spirit comes as a UPS carrier or whatever, FedEx, whatever it is, and shows up at the door and says, I have a package for you. Sign here, please. And we sign to acknowledge we have received this letter. And the Holy Spirit has come with the will of God and he hands it to you and me right on our doorstep. And he's saying, would you sign here, please? Would you acknowledge that you know exactly what you're receiving? And if we're wise right now, we know what's in front of us. We are, we are being served on a beautiful platter with love and grace, the very will of God itself. You say, what are you talking about? Well, this is what the Holy Spirit wants us to say. And I want, I want to remind you right now, we're about to learn. When it comes to the will of God, this is more important than who you will marry. For some of you are like, that's impossible. That's the most important thing I could ever know in my entire life. No, this is more important. This is actually going to lead you possibly, obviously, to the right path of that very important decision. What we're learning right now, this is more important than the job you should take. This is more important than the house you should buy or sell. This is more important than the place you should live. This is more important than the school you should attend. They're all important things, but they're not in priority as important as what the will of God is going to be declared to us here right now. The all-pervasive truth of verse 18. Look at verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. So when it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit, the the context, notice, the urgency of the context leads secondly to this. It leads to the command. And I must receive the command, which is 
continuously. I want you to focus first on the phrase, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Number one, loved ones, it is a command. We said that a lot. It's a command. Um, it's an imperative in the original, meaning it's not an option for believers. It's expected, it's commanded of us, so the Holy Spirit is to be sought with passion. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God. So it's a command. Secondly, it's plural. But be filled is plural, meaning it applies to all believers of all time. So it's not like someone over here receives this command and someone over here says, no, I don't really feel like receiving that command. You don't have an option. It's plural. All believers, all time. This statement for us today is as true for us today as it was in the first century, again, to the believers in Ephesus. It's plural. Thirdly, this verb is passive. Why is that important? This is important because we don't manufacture this filling. Ultimately, it must happen to us. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. Now, we seek Him. We're going to hear we ask this of Him, but we can't produce this filling, this power within us. It must come upon. He must come upon us. So it's a command. It's plural. The verb is passive. Fourthly, the command is continuous. So literally, uh, but be filled is be being filled or be constantly being filled. Not a one-time act. This is a daily pursuit of the hunger and the expectation that we need the presence and the filling of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives every day if we are going to see fruitfulness and effectiveness for Him. More on that in a moment. But before we go any further, I'm excited to stop here just for a moment and make sure that we're very clear as some of us will be trying to understand or ask or maybe been taught in some way in the past or never been taught at all, when it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit, what is the difference between the filling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, we believe that the Bible clearly teaches, and we've seen this all throughout this series on the Holy Spirit, that at regeneration, this has been mentioned already in this message briefly, that at regeneration, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the, the fullness. We receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He enters into us. We become His temple. We are born again. We are new creations. We're never going to lose the Holy Spirit as His person within us. He stays with us as our seal, all for glory. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. Your Bible should be open to that. And if you look over what Paul says in, in Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter 4, look at just verse 4. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, those one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now there's some debate over what baptism refers to here. Is it water baptism? But there's a strong, strong case to be made. This is referring to the time when we are joined into the body of Christ through the baptism of the Holy Spirit at conversion. All the questions are erased as I quote for you 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. Listen carefully. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. At conversion, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Warren Wiersbe says this, Nowhere in the New Testament are we commanded to be baptized by the Spirit. Why? Because this is a once-for-all experience that takes place at conversion. Good insight. But notice, but we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit 
So what we hold here passionately at Harvest Oakville, and I'm trusting it's the same for Harvest Brampton, sort of, maybe, we'll see. He gives me a thumbs up, okay? What we hold passionately here at Harvest Oakville is this truth. This is a great phrase. You've heard it, hear it again. One baptism, many fillings, amen? One baptism of the Holy Spirit, regeneration, conversion, but many fillings throughout the Christian life. And what this wonderfully incorporates is our big, big idea for this message. We have all the Holy Spirit, regeneration, but does the Holy Spirit have all of us? One baptism, many fillings. We are to seek, again, the many fillings of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, the early church, baptism, they receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Uh, subsequently, they are filled by the Holy Spirit, Acts 4. The Apostle Paul, Acts 9, he is saved. The Holy Spirit comes and enters into him. But later on in Acts, Acts 13, there's a filling of the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God with boldness, to see the fruit and the evidence of this life upon him again. One baptism, many fillings, really describes my entire life. Man, when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you want more and more and more of him because nothing else will suffice at the end of the day. Many fillings and empowerment for the word, the Holy Spirit of God to work within our lives. And of course, that is precisely what Ephesians 5.18 is dealing with. But be filled with the Spirit. Let's get a little deeper now. What does that mean? The best understanding of this phrase, ready, is that we are to live under complete control of the Holy Spirit. Uh, to be filled, it can be um, described as fill your cup to the brim, to cause to abound, to take possession of. That's awesome. The Holy Spirit comes and totally saturates us and we are filled with him and our thoughts and our words and our actions become in line intimately with what he would have for us. I was very intrigued in my study of this phrase, be filled, both this week and in time past as well. Actually, that the term be filled was used in the Greek. It could carry three shades of, of meaning. One of the meanings of this word, be filled, was, was used to describe um, the wind filling the sails of a ship, causing it to move across the water. So just picture that, the spirit-filled life. I set my sails, and then I anticipate the power, the wind of God to fill the sails and then propel me across the water. Many years ago, I, I, I learned to windsurf. And I remember, what's so funny? I learned to windsurf, and, uh, <laughs> and I remember getting up on the board, and it was pretty shaky at first, but I remember getting the sail up, and you kind of got it in position and in the right place and where the, the wind was going to come, and it, all of a sudden, it, ca it catches the wind, and you start to go, and after you get a little bit and learn to kind of get in position, and all of a sudden, when you start getting a little bit better, and the wind fills the sail, and you start skipping and flying across the water, and I remember at that time, like for the first time, doing this sport in this way, and I was flying across the waves and holding on, and I remember it was a rush within me, and I said out loud, I said, powered by God. I kid you not, I said, that because I loved it you know there I am just in the power of God and then running along the water that's the spirit-filled life man setting your sails and catching the power and the wind of God and it and it's carrying you along this life not our effort but the effort of 
of the Lord. So few believers will truly understand what it means to get it in place and boo what you can. And this is what the Lord wants to do with this message right now. Help us to understand how much could happen. The second meaning of this word fulfilled was this. It was describing salt permeating meat. Now salt permeates meat for two main reasons. To flavor it and preserve it. What a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit filling us as we become the aroma of Christ. The flavor of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God who will guarantee that we will carry on. So loved ones, we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It, 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 it permeates us and presents a flavor from us that people are picking up in this world. I remember after one of our kids were born, my wife Jill, she actually contracted a very serious infection. And she was put in the hospital for several weeks. And um, while she was there, she was under, of course, the, the care of the staff in the hospital. And I remember walking to the hospital one day and catching a conversation of the nurses that they were talking about my wife Jill. And of course, I love her very much and I'm very thankful for her. But I heard them talking about the woman, let's say, in room 301, whatever it is. The woman in 301, man, she, she just has this light. She's, she's just, we just love to serve her. I caught her. I said, well, you tell me more about this woman in 301. Let me, let me hear a little more. What do you have to say? And they went on just describing she's different. There's just something about her, whatever. And then I remember this one nurse, she says, well, she has like an aura about her. And we walked in, we had the chance even just with this nurse to say, listen, I love my wife so much. She's like, she's, she's a gift, yes. But saying, listen, at the end of the day, it's not her. It's the Holy Spirit. And if she was here right now and she'll be here tomorrow, she'd say, amen, amen. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit. We've got to share this with the nurse, but to understand as you are there, you're just, you're just living your life. And isn't it something too, eh, when you're in those situations and you get really at your weakest and you're seeking, you know, in that kind of physical sickness, you really find out kind of, What's really going on in many cases, right? You know, so many, so many of you in our church, there's situations right now happening right now, and you are incredibly beautiful testimonies of the Holy Spirit. I know it. I hear about it almost on a weekly basis. And you are giving off a flavor of the... And it's one of those things you almost... You don't even know what's happening, but it is. Because you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Setting sails, salt permeating with flavor... And preservation, and the third meaning, looking into this, was it conveys um, domination or control. So when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are most importantly allowing Him to have complete control. So, so this is why, look right here, look right here, look right here. Surrender is everything in the Christian life. Because as we surrender to the will of God, to the Holy Spirit, we, we raise the white flag. And as we raise the white flag, and there are some here right now, that's never fully happened in your life. I always say, it's amazing to me, well, it's men and women, but the men, it's men and women, the people who refuse to truly lay it down before the Lord and really say, I give up. The single greatest turning points for anyone who's ever been used to the Lord Jesus Christ has been the moment where they finally raise the white flag and say, I give up. I cannot do it. You must do it. You must do it. And so often it's a company with a posture where they fall on their face and they shed tears and they go down to their knees because they don't know what else to do. I give up. I've tried it my way. It's not working. I surrender. My pride has overcome me. I am putting myself in the ditch. I can no longer do this. I give up. And at that moment, God comes up and Boom! Fills the person. And the water rushes in. Notice, water always goes to the lowest places. 
And the living water of Jesus Christ fills the person who surrendered to the control. Now, is it scary? Yeah. But it's so beautiful. And it's where life is lived. All of life is. And you know what? Even as I say that, I, just a moment of pastoral honesty and integrity. Like the Lord's bringing me there like even, in, even right now. Lord, I need you so much. And he lets us stumble and fall, doesn't he? He's like, what are you going to do now? Are you going to make another excuse? Are you going to fight for your own strength? Or are you going to finally give up and let me do what only I can do? This is where life is lived. But notice, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's really a battle for control. Because look at the first half of verse 18 now. Notice. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Now, isn't the Holy Spirit so genius here? talking about control and influence, and now he goes from the negative to the positive. We're going from the positive to the negative, but notice here, to be drunk with wine, of course, is to be under control of alcohol. And interestingly here, drunkenness will always lead to a lack of clarity, lack of wisdom, and a lack of urgency for anything fruitful. It's always the flesh versus the spirit last week. Flesh versus the spirit. It's this battle. And the alcohol all filled with flesh. And the Holy Spirit all filled with the Spirit of God. You know, it comes to drunkenness or drinking. John Tapp, I mean, he, he wrote this. He called it the three outs. Here's drinking or drunkenness. Ready? It's ale out of the bottle, money out of the wallet, and wit out of the head. That's what drunkenness results in. It's you consume out of the bottle, you lose out of your wallet, and you forfeit intelligence out of your head. You know what's so interesting? This week I heard Alan Moeller was, was talking about the, the studies on marijuana currently right now. It's coming back, and it's being proven that marijuana is actually something that's uh, 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 resulting in a decreasing of IQ, especially for those who are in de uh, developmental stages, adolescents, Young men and women especially, of course, others as well. But it's creating damage to their brain and their ability to think and pay attention. And, and all this is happening, should we be surprised? Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Behind the word debauchery, waste. Wastefulness. Um, uh, devoid of virtue. Out of control. Recklessness. Do not be drunk with wine. That's a total waste of your life. What are you saying? But... But be filled with the Spirit. You know what we're learning here? All that leads really to this. Ready? Here's a good phrase to remember. What fills you, controls you. What fills you, controls you. Question, what's filling you? What's filling you? Because whatever fills you will eventually control you. No wonder then. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You know what we're learning here too? Again, be filled, be filled. Be constantly being filled. We're learning this. This is so important. Today's filling will not do for tomorrow. You see that? Daily, daily fight, daily battle. Remember, remember, looking to Jesus is the hardest part of the Christian faith on a daily basis. The hardest part of living the Christian life is every day I gotta wake up and fight the battle again. That in itself is exhausting. Who agrees with me? And it's, I mean, I, I admit to you, man, I am exhausted by the battle of flesh versus spirit. Some days, I'm just, I, I can't keep doing it. I can't. It's too hard. 
It, it, it's just it's too troubling. It's, it's too tormenting. But that, that's the point, isn't it? I can't do it. But the Holy Spirit in me is the one who wants to fight the battle for me. And this is what we're learning here right now. You want to clap for that? Amen. I'm glad for that. It's the exhaustion that leads us to the dependence that leads us to the strengthening. And some of you now, I think everyone should be asking, okay, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the importance of the Holy Spirit, how though, how am I filled with the Holy Spirit of God? On the screen, this is not a religious formula, okay? This is not. This is a relational strengthening of you me, and the Holy Spirit who resides within us. This is not put these five things in, calculate them together, and up oh, pops, filled with the Spirit. This is relationship, but, but here's biblical understanding of how, this will be online if you want to look at it later, okay? You don't try to get, you want to write down, you can, but I want you to listen to you, okay? How am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Confess all known sin, why? Because the single greatest obstacle to the power of God in our lives is when we quench him or grieve him. And that is done almost entirely by the sin within us. Did you notice last week in Galatians 5, the, all the relational sins, all this commenting on the, the strife we have with one another, jealousy and envy. Some of us are here right now, and our lives are centered on jealousy, envy, strife, division, dissensions, competition, all of that grieves and quenches the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? Sometimes we need to wake up and just smell the theology. And what the theology says to us right now is don't be surprised if our lives are filled with relational tension all over the place. Well, that's obviously gonna limit his voice and his power through our lives. You gotta confess that sin, man, right now. What, what wrongs need to be made right? Notice in our text today, the idolatrous sins. Do not be drunk with wine. You fill your life with things like that? Of course, of course, you won't be sensing the power and the filling. Confess all known sin. This is a daily, this is a daily battle. Yield every area of your life. Romans 12, <coughs> verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. This is, Lord, Lord, here's my life. Yield to him every area, home, job, finances, direction, future, children, stress, worry, anxiety, everything has to be put at his feet and say, God, I yield, I yield, I yield. Ask, our text today, ask, and you can also anticipate, and 1 John 5 is a great one for that too. We ask for the things and then believing that we receive if we ask according to his will. 1 John 5, 14, 15. Give thanks. So we confess, yield, ask. We give thanks for his promised provision. This is his will. Then God, you know, it's so neat. When, when you're praying God's will, you know you're praying God's will. Shouldn't increase your faith. Lord, this is your will for my life. So your will be done. Your will be done. And then expect great things. Now I have Ephesians 5, 19 and 21. That's part of our passage. This is an excellent lead into our final point, Okay. So when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, I must know the context, I must receive the command, and thirdly, I must anticipate the confirmation, which is what? Fruit. The confirmation of this is fruit. I don't 
have a ton of time, but I do want us to look at this somewhat carefully now. Look at verse 19, okay? So what happens now is Paul commands us to be filled with the Spirit, but now he says, here are evidences that I am. Here are indicators that I am filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your, next word, heart. Oh yeah, the heart again. Because the heart is everything. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Giving thanks always, verse 20, for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Three signs. The first one is this, joy. I am joyful. I am joyful. Verse 19 is explaining to be filled with the Spirit is to communicate to others the joy of our salvation, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We are speaking truth. We are declaring the gospel. We are expressing the joy of our salvation. When you're filled with the Spirit, you love to do that. Notice a large part of our joy in verse 19 also is through singing. I love that. You know I love that if you know me. The idea that our church gathered as a people would be filled with the Spirit of God and sing. And who cares if our voice is always on tune or not? But when you're filled with the Spirit of God, there's a joy, there's a sing. How many people sing in their cars? How many? The rest of you need to do it. It's fun. <laughs> How many of you might sing at home? How many of you dance with your kids in Christian worship? How many of you are there and you're there and you're just filling your life with the joy? And how many of you, and if you're like me, as you are worshiping and you give yourself to the Lord and the Spirit of God, how many times have I stared out? out to our backyard and just by myself and just tears running down my face and worship to the Lord Jesus Christ and so overwhelmed by him. And this is where my kids often look around just like, Dad, you're, you're just strange, man. You're strange, but it's okay, right? You just, you can't help it. You just, your hands are raised and you worship the Lord because you're so overwhelmed. That is the presence and the person, the power of the Holy Spirit igniting the expression of what's within in the gift of music and song. It's a gift. And I get to sit in the front row and I have the, the volume of people singing behind me. It's a joy. It's the way it's supposed to be. And I particularly was blessed sitting by Pastor Ted today. And he sings loud. I love it. I love it. It, wasn't, it was a blessing, man. It was. You're there with brothers and sisters and you're, and you're together and sensing the Spirit of God through song. You think singing is a big deal to God? Yes, it is a big deal to God. Because it's one of the best ways we express to him how much we love him and are thankful and what the Holy Spirit loves to fill a church of singing, song of worship. And that's why we focus on that here at our church. Because it's so biblical and it's so right. And we believe there'll be a lot of that happening in heaven. How do I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? I am joyful. Secondly, I'm thankful. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. What a verse. Giving thanks always and for everything. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Because it is. But this is what the Holy Spirit leads us and fills us with, with gratitude. You know, one of the things we say around here at Harvest Oakville, a whole bunch, is we say, you've got to try really hard to be grateful and grumpy at the same time. 
Like, it's, it's really hard to do, if not impossible. You got to work at it, you know? You really got to try to keep that face in that place of complaining and grumpiness and at the same time some, feel some joy and whatever, you know? But isn't it something that as you're filled with gratitude and what a discipline it is, choose gratitude, the attitude of gratitude, and you walk around and you choose to name the blessings of your life. And you start with the gospel because that's the most powerful one of all. And as you begin to recite this over your heart and your mind begins renewed with the truth of the gospel. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the grumpiness seems to lift. It just, it just, it's just like the anxiety seems to kind of move to the side. We always say today is another great day. Why? The gospel. The gospel. And so gratitude is a sweet eliminator of grumpiness. And that is a discipline. But that's also, we're filled with the Spirit of God. Wow, it rushes upon us, and all we are there, filled with joy, filled with gratitude. Notice, thirdly, we'll end here, I am submissive. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I am submissive, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What a powerful sign of being Spirit-filled, often overlooked. What is this? Humility, modesty of demeanor, unwillingness to dispute for the sake of disputing, gentleness, patience, putting others first. If you are self-assertive, overly self-assertive, that's anti-Holy Spirit. If you are self-seeking, selfish ambition, anti-Holy Spirit. Hey, hey, you show me a home filled with the Holy Spirit and you will show me a home of beautiful submission. It is no mistake that the instructions for the family and marriage come right after this text right here. No accident. Because a home filled with the Spirit of God is a home that will see a beautiful, God-designed, Holy Spirit-filled submission to one another where joy and peace and love are expressed. You show me a church filled with the Holy Spirit, and same thing. You will show me a church of beautiful submission. Submission to one another. Submission to leaders and elders. Submission to the will of God. Notice how and why. Look at verse 21. Notice, out of reverence for Christ. Ah, there it is. The Holy Spirit and the fear of the Lord always are together. Always. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with a reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ and what the Holy Spirit loves to do. So, when it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit, the context is urgency, the command is continuous, and the confirmation is fruit. As a true believer in Jesus Christ, I have all of the Holy Spirit. But does the Holy Spirit have all of me?